Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them, let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Patrice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an American version of this last name, Brenda Moore. Is that fair enough, Patrice? Yeah, that's fair enough. I can I can live with that. Say say it say it properly for me. Um, it's properly pronounced Brand Amour, and it's it's a French name, so obviously. Yes. And I am. If there's one, if there's one bloodline that I do not have in me, it's French. <laughs> I I have English, Irish, Dutch, German, and Native American, but no French, and I can't say a single word in French the way it's supposed to be said. Well, me neither, and I've learned it in school, and I can't, I mean, except for my name, I, I couldn't even order food in France, so. Because you that. are actually German. I am, I mean, yeah. You're, you're living in German, uh, Germany, you've been in Germany for generations now, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, at least five, six generations, so way, way, way back. So you guys, you, there's no Ellis Island for Germany where they change your name to fit, huh? <laughs> no, there is. Do, there do you is, know about that? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, of course, of course. Um, there is not, and still names have changed in throughout the history of, of Europe. Um, my name, for example, is, it's hard to say where it comes from, but there is one possibility that it's, it was actually uh, pronounced Brindamore, with an I instead of an E, and uh, that one came from the military. So the names have changed, even even here in Europe, but nothing like Ellis Island and what happened there. <laughs> so, so one of the things that you are interested in, one of the things that you've done a lot of work in, is internet anonymity, and and not like uh, like posting like jerk comments on blogs, but actual like anonymity for say uh i think you said like uh like a subversive group in china that that whose lives depended on being anonymous yeah yeah i mean i hope i have never posted jerk comments on on forums or uh, under blog posts <laughs> i hope at least i i wouldn't I, count on it but <laughs> i try not to <laughs> yeah um, i i do as well <laughs> yeah uh the i mean Political dissidence in in China is just one possibility of this. Um, just think about support groups like AA. Um, people, I mean, there are people out there uh, who have either a certain religious or political point of view or some kind of disease, and this disease becoming public or or even known amongst their peers uh, would be. Uh, would be a, a huge issue. I mean, if, if you think about China, that could even cost you your life. I mean, you probably go to, right. would go to prison, but it co- could even cost you your life if, if uh, the powers, uh, ca- I mean, if they found out what you're doing and what you're saying. Um, so this is a real issue. And most people, uh, when, when they think about anonymity, they think what you said about uh, posting, uh, posting online, which actually isn't that anonymous in the first place. Um, and so 
I've been interested. I mean, I'm, I'm a security nut, so I've been interested in security, privacy, uh, all that area for 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 years now. And uh, part of part of my uh, part of my work at the university was uh, in in that area in general. My master's thesis was uh, was a framework to uh, that that enables mobile devices to to communicate anonymously. And um, yeah, it's it's a difficult topic. So I I don't sure, know how, a, how deep we will we can actually uh, jump into <laughs> that. I mean, well, let's start with the the real basics. Like, what what are the what are the most basic things that people need to do if they want to have that an- uh, anonymity? Um. Well, the the basic, even the most basic things are are difficult. Um, it it all comes down, or it depends on what what your threat level is. As with everything in security, um, if you're just posting jerk comments, then probably just using <laughs> uh, just just using a, uh, a pseudonym. Like, uh, I mean, for you, it's TT Scoff. I mean, that's not a good one because everybody knows you are <laughs> TT Scoff. But but I mean, something like that. Just just a random name. I mean, most most uh, jerk, jerk commenters do that. They chose uh, commenter one two three four something like that uh, to st- right. to stay anonymous, and uh, that's that's the very base level. Um, IP anonymizers are another another way, but if if you're actually, I mean, if you're going into the area of, uh, as I said, China, political, uh, religious dissidents, things like that. That that's where it actually gets complicated because you need to make sure um, not only that your the content of your message isn't uh, or can't be traced back to you, but also the fact that you have communicated that you have posted something uh, shouldn't be traced back to you because for some people even the fact that they have been on certain website or they have posted somewhere. Uh, could be detrimental to to their to their lives or their living. So what's the what's the basic plan for for keeping that information hidden? Um, well, I, I understand that's probably very complex. But well, the basics. Yeah, uh, the basics. Number one, uh, make sure uh, whatever you're posting doesn't contain any information that could be linked to you. So don't post. Um, don't post names, for example, or don't post uh, facts that only you know. Um, don't, of course, don't post your address or something online, uh, things like that. And and on a more technical level, there are certain services and and apps and and networks out there. I mean, Tor is probably one of the the one of the one that most people know, um, and it's actually. It's not the best one out there, but it's actually a pretty good one, and that's why so many malware uh, authors now use it uh, because it helps them to keep anonymous, and they don't want to be found. So, I mean, that's that's the base level. I mean, it's there. There's another component to it. Um, we've recently heard about. Uh, or, or we've, we've seen with with ad networks, for example, that they are trying to track users, and that's if if you're in that position that you shouldn't be tracked at all, that's another thing you have to worry about. 
sure. make sure your browser is set up in a way that that it doesn't uh, doesn't leak information basically. Do you have any recommendations for plugins in that area? Um, well, there's the the Tor plugin. Uh, I can't remember which one I used for for Firefox, but there, uh, I mean, just just Google it. There are a couple of plugins. So the the, the Tor network is is pretty good. Um, if if you need more than that, there is a network called I2P, um, which basically creates a proxy on your on your machine and then redirects all traffic through the I2P network. Uh, that's I mean that's basically basically how most anonymizers right now work. They create a proxy on your on your machine and then use the system's uh, proxy settings to redirect traffic. But pretty much like a VPN. I mean can can comp- sure. it's comparable. It's based on the same technology. Have you ever seen uh it's a Unix tool called Tink? No, I think I haven't. It creates VPN tunnels over SSH tunnels. So it's like an instant VPN over SSH. Mm-hmm. And we're already getting more technical than I planned, <laughs> but it's I just I just learned about it last week actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, v- v- have you ever heard of VPN, VPNs are actually, I mean, at the base level, if it's just you um, and you don't have any, I mean, you don't have, you're you're not at the threat level like someone in China. And you just want to make sure that uh, nobody can find out your IP address uh, or, well, nobody can find out where you're sitting in the world, things like that. Um, then a VPN is actually a viable solution because it masks your your origin. Um, I mean, your browser is, as I said, another point of of information, and you should take care of that. But other than that, VPNs are actually a, a good idea. Yeah, I uh, I tend to use one anytime I'm traveling now. Yeah. Um, have you heard of a plugin called Ghostery? Um, I have, but I haven't used it. Oh, I really enjoy that one mostly because it blocks it not because it anonymizes anything for me, mm-hmm. but because it blocks all the ads and all of the other uh like yeah. uh Google Analytics stuff. Yeah. And I can choose I can uh, I can whitelist certain if I want certain plugins to run. Uh it'll it'll allow me to, but the I mean it basically it blocks JavaScript on a page. Yeah, which can be really useful for like hiding from Facebook and things like that. Yeah, especially JavaScript uh, is a huge issue. Uh, even if you've done everything right, you've blocked, um, you've you've blocked uh, cookies, you've blocked ad networks. Um, JavaScript can be another source of information because with, with JavaScript you can. Um, I mean, you, you can read your the, the install plugins you've installed in your browser, and those can be with with, with the browser version and things like that can be uh, like a fingerprint. Um, there is a I think the EFF the electronic uh, was E electronic and blanking electronic on the, freedom foundation. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have a site out there. I think it's them where you can go and find out whether your browser uh, your browser information is unique so it's a fingerprint um I, right i'll i'll hunt down the link and and we can put it in the show note show notes um 
I'm so, taking a quick look right now. That I mean that that goes in, into the area of ad networks, and they are I mean they are can be as bad as uh, uh, well as other people who are trying to get your information. <laughs> if, if depending as on as bad as the Chinese government, well, <laughs> maybe not because they hopefully won't kill you, but uh, I mean. They they will use your information for things you don't want them to use it, and that can be can also be an issue. I mean, it's it's a very base level uh, anonymity issue, but uh, because because even I mean, usually even if they have your information, you shouldn't face any any negative effects from it, other than that they are serving your you. Uh, custom ads, and they are probably selling your information to someone else. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, every bit of information out there could potentially be used uh, against you in the in the future. We don't know. I mean, that's that's the whole where the mm-hmm. whole NSA issue comes into play. Uh, we right. simply that's don't. That's exactly know. my problem. That's my problem with Google and Facebook. Yeah. And Amazon, even, yeah. is I think they could do really great things with all that information, but that, there's always the chance, yeah, and and for the most something part, bad happening. For, for the most part, they do great things with it. Even Apple, I mean, Apple is collecting a lot of data, and they aren't doing anything bad with it. They are collecting it for you, and because they want to do great things for you. But um, who knows? I mean, five years, ten years, twenty years in the future, who knows who's at helm at one of those companies who knows uh, how the, the the laws in 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 the world or in the U.S. even can change and uh, who gets access to that information that previously previously was, uh, I mean, was okay for them to collect, but now when they combine it with uh, everything else they know about you, they could use it. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember the quote, but someone said that. Um, with all the information, if if you're if you're collecting all of the information as as good as it may sound, um, any government could put you in jail because you there will always be something that is against the law, even or I mean they just change the law so it's against that that and then um, you're screwed basically because you did something five ten years ago. So it's so is there. Have you ever come across a kind of solution or a, a compromise between uh, giving up your personal privacy and still getting the convenience that that companies are currently offering using all of your private information? Uh, is there a middle ground? There probably is. I haven't found it yet. It's Even for me, it's hard to decide what do I want to put out there, where do I care, where don't I care. It's it's actually it's hard to decide, and that's why most people, I mean, just look at Facebook, look at Twitter. Most people doesn't seem to care. They just put everything out there, and right. don't even think about it. Um, it's for me, it's hard. I mean, I like to use those services. I have a Facebook account. I have Twitter. I, I have all those things, and I like to share. But there's still this nagging. Uh, voice in my head that says, "Be careful what what you're putting out there, because you never know yeah. what they're gonna do with it. And maybe they won't. Yeah, I mean, sure. maybe maybe in five ten years, Twitter will go go down, and 
the information will be lost and that's it. We don't know. I mean, it's the future. Yeah. But chances are <laughs> that's not going to happen. No, probably not. Yeah. Do you strip the uh, EXIF and geocode data from your images before you post them? Um, that depends. Um, for for okay. most part, my photos don't have any uh, geocode, geolocation data because my, my DSLR doesn't have a GPS chip. But if I'm okay. taking pictures with my iPhone, um, I tend not to take pictures at home or post them with geolocation data. And when I say I tend not to, I probably have by accident. <laughs> But I'm trying to I'm trying to be aware yeah. of that. Um, likewise, but that's where it gets tricky, right? Yeah. yeah. Likewise, is, with, with like you you can always slip up. Yeah. And one slip up is enough. That's the issue. I mean, it it yeah. all it need, all it takes is one data point. Once once you've put out where your where your home is somewhere, uh, you can connect that with with all the other information about you, and that's it. So it's yeah. It's tricky. Um, uh, same with yeah, uh, Twitter, and, off. Twitter and Facebook. I mean, you, the thing is, <laughs> when you're like me, uh, you're you're not only using the internet; you're making money over the internet. It's hard because you can't stop using the internet. It's it's right. there, and ev- almost everything nowadays is connected. Right. Yeah. And that's it takes constant vigilance if you really want to stay off the grid. Yeah. If your life depends on remaining anonymous, you have to think about every single click. Yeah. Every click, every page you open, every message you send, um, every device you use, everything. It all it takes is this one slip up and you're screwed. Yeah. That that gets super complicated. Yeah, <laughs> and I, and then that's why that's why most people don't. Y- you can think about it when you first start using a social service. You can consider, do I really want to put this information out there? Yeah. And then when you consider what it would take to actually hide everything, mm-hmm. most people just give up. Yeah, and that's not a good thing. I mean, um, political climate changes, laws change. Um, we, did, we we simply don't know. I mean, even even if even in the Western world, I mean, when we go away from China, Iran, uh, countries like that, even in the Western world, there is an. I would say there's an advantage to being anonymous, or there is a use case where where you, you absolutely want to be anonymous. I mean, uh, think about whistleblowing. Um, if if we we don't we wouldn't know the things we know nowadays if it hadn't been for whistleblowers and the harder it gets for them to put out the the important information they have and to highlight the areas where things things go wrong and things always go wrong somewhere and that's okay um the less people will will do it and the less people do it the worse the world gets, I would say. So even for right. us... No, no accountability. Yeah. Even for us, it's it's hard. Um, I mean, back back in, in, well, the 50s, the 60s, you could, you could just use a typewriter 
uh, write something down, put it in a post box, send it somewhere, and nobody would know. Nobody would know you've sent it. But nowadays, with uh, fingerprints, with cameras everywhere, uh, with DNA, um, that doesn't work anymore. So we have to find. We have to. We, we absolutely have to find solutions for that problem uh, in another way. And that that isn't easy because when you create those. I mean, as we've seen with uh, with malware and with terrorists, basically, when you create those tools that help us keep our freedom, um, that creates tools for them to do the things they want to do, and we don't want them to do. And that's that's really that's the the thing we are struggling as a society, as a as a world, basically, with right now. We have all the technology, but what do we? I mean. Where's the line? What, where, I mean, what do we want to put out there, and what we do we want to allow people to do, and what negative consequences of that uh, do we take for? Uh, do do we allow? I mean, do we sure. allow terror a certain to a certain degree? Do we allow terrorism because we want to protect our freedoms, and that's not not a a simple struggle. It's that's hard. Or do we allow? Do we allow removal of our freedoms because we want to stop terrorism? It's, yeah. it, there's a line in both directions. Yeah, exactly. We can, you can't go in either direction all the way. I think it's it right. has to be a middle ground, and that's that middle ground is hard to find. I would agree with that. Yeah. So on a less Orwellian topic, <laughs> um, you 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 run Jekyll, and being of uh, being multilingual yourself. You have been posting uh, on your blog in multiple languages, and you've come up with some very uh, some very effective ways to handle multiple languages on a Jekyll blog. Do you want to you want to talk a little bit about the overview of that? Yeah, um, I mean, well, we we should we should back up. We should back up for people listening who don't know what Jekyll is. Jekyll is a static blog generator, so it's it's kind of like WordPress, except for everything's on your local drive in separate Markdown files. And when you publish a, a post, Jekyll generates straight HTML, so there's no database involved. It generates a static site, which means it's really fast. It means it's really stable. Uh, it means that getting a big link uh, won't crash your website. There are a lot of benefits to it, but it also requires a lot of, well, a certain amount of programming knowledge just to get it to run. Yeah, I mean. So uh, that being said, at the point ahead. at the point where where you're you've set it up and it's running, it's really easy because you've done the hard work usually, um, and that it's just putting the post out there, putting the post in 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 in, a, in the post directory in Jekyll, and then hit hitting publish or. If you're if you're smart, you've set it up to automatically publish. Um, but it's it's with with any well at least with any CMS I have ever used, it's hard to do things in more than one language. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really matter which language it is. I I can't imagine how it is to to publish a site in in things that's Japanese or, or Chinese or something. Uh, but um, I would say that for the most part, it doesn't really matter what primary language you're using, but it gets hard when you're trying to 
to do things in two languages. Uh, I mean, for for me, it's a simple matter of I prefer to post in English. I have people from Germany who like to read my stuff, so I have to do it in both. Um, for companies, it can be, uh, I mean, if their customers are all around the world, you need at least one or two or more than that. I mean, any number of, of languages. And that's, I mean, aside from the part of duplicating work and doing translations and, and all that, which is hard enough, um, the, the CMS systems and or basically any system you use, you're using is, isn't really helping with that. There are plugins, for example, for WordPress, there are plugins that kind of sort of work, but are more just bolted on uh, onto WordPress because the, the system itself doesn't really help or, or isn't set up for it. Um, I, there are solutions out there, but they aren't really good. And, and one of the advantages I think of Jekyll is that it's so simple that it's, it's not easy, but it's doable, I would say. It wasn't easy. I, I can sure. tell you, it wasn't easy to do it. Um, <laughs> I mean, the the translating the static uh, stuff like um, navigation, um, well, basically the te the templates, navigation dates, things like that. That's easy. That static text. Uh, there are any number of solutions out there, and with Jekyll, it's it's easy to do because of um, the liquid tags and and the the basic setup of Jekyll as, as being a uh, plug-in friendly and, and extendable um, system, basically. Um, so, I mean, that part is easy, but um, I, I, <laughs> I'm probably a little bit like you. I didn't want to have a working solution. I wanted to have a good solution. So something that in the future makes things easy for me. Um, so that I can just write my content, put it in a directory, and it works. And I don't have to really think about uh, translating stuff and, and doing multilingual stuff. And, and that's, that's where it got, got really hard um, because um, you have to think about things like um, other plugins. If other plugins create pages like, uh, for example, the author pages, um, how get those translated and uh yeah it's i i found a solution you can you can read about it at least if you know a little bit of jekyll you can read about it on my blog but um, yes i've i've already linked it cool and i think i think what you've done is is pretty cool and i think i think it's something that at least in my experience most jekyll users have not had to think about no uh, there is an existing plugin called the Jekyll Multiple Languages plugin, yeah. which you base some of your work on. Yeah, I did. But I think the whole idea, like I've worked with a lot of CMSs, and I've had to internationalize a few of them, and I don't think any of them are easy. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a. I had to build a WordPress, and this is this is eight years ago. It may have gotten easier since then, but I had to build the entire solution pretty much using Git text and PHP mm -hmm. back then. I don't know that I don't know that there are any CMS systems uh, that was redundant. I don't know <laughs> that there are any CMSs that actually 
make internationalization easy. Do you know of any? Um, I don't think so. Um, WordPress has some support, at least for for things like um, static pages, static text, because they are using get text now. So it's uh, and and for the most part, everything WordPress is translated. So. Uh, when you're installing a, a, let's say, a German WordPress, then it's in its entirety in German. Everything that comes ship that ships with WordPress is is translated. So that part that part is done, but the doing the doing it in in more than one language that's that isn't. And there, as I said, there are a couple of plugins, but uh, there are number one, they aren't very very good. They aren't well supported. And they usually break at some point. Um, for example, the one I was using for WordPress previously uh, is called QTranslate. And that one is okay. It, you can switch languages. You can post post in more than one language. It's all integrated in the admin interface. So you can uh, create two, header, uh, two, two, two uh, titles for your post. You can uh, enter the, the text for each language. Uh, just in the WYSIWYG uh, editor, but the moment you try to do something fancy with uh, with the the editor, for example, uh, if you're trying to post in Markdown and you have a Markdown plugin, that breaks because there are sure. two plugins that are <laughs> trying to mess with the same page, and uh, that I mean that's where <laughs> where it, where WordPress actually is the issue because WordPress should uh, should have an API for that, so so uh, you can do uh, multilingual stuff, and you can. Uh, it, it's basically it's built in, and all you need is is a nice GUI for it, for example. So, no, I don't know any as, any any CMS that really does it well. They most of them a, do that, do it, but none of a, them do it. Yeah, well. right. And as a native English speaker, I. It, Internationalization is always an afterthought to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I should say, as an American developer, who I, I, as many times as it's bitten me, I never think about it up front. And I think <laughs> that when I, when you build systems such as WordPress, if you don't consider that from the very beginning, yeah, it's 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 always going to be a hacky solution. Yeah. And all of my apps, if they're internationalized, have been done. After the fact, yeah, and and it's never as good as planning for, you know, multiple nibs up front in a cocoa application, etc. Yeah, um, I mean, even even with it's, you're talking about nibs, even with uh, the thing Apple is putting out, and they are in general relatively good, but you can see with their tools that it's not something they thought about uh, because right. uh, I think. Well, I think it has changed with Xcode 6, but up until Xcode 6, um, it was really hard to do nibs or storyboards in more than one language because once you try, you, you started um, uh, localizing the, the nibs, uh, every change you did to one of the languages, so let's say moving or adding a button, moving something, you had to do to all the others. There was yes. no way to... Or there is a way, but um, it's more a hack uh, to to do it. And I think yeah, I, I haven't tried exactly. it yet, but I think it has changed. So, but you can with, with that you can see that that even for Apple, 
it seems to be something of, a, of an afterthought. Um, on the yeah. one hand, they are telling you, you have to internationalize, you have to think about it. You, when, when you're writing your app for more than one market, you have to think about that. But on the other hand, the tools aren't there yet. And probably one of the reasons is because it's hard. Even yeah. for Apple. I know. In NVult, every time every time I release a version, I forget to add a menu option to at least one language. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and then I hear from a bunch of people in France who are like, you said you added this, but I don't see it in the menu. Yeah, that's it. It always bites me eventually. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for me. Um, I mean, as a developer, uh, usually most of your code is written in English nowadays. Uh, all of my apps are English first. Um, and it's, I mean, when you're developing, you don't want to think about more than one language. You want to focus on... Uh, what 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 your issue issue is right now the the feature you're trying to implement or the bug you're right. trying to fix, and so that's always step two. Once you're done, okay, now how? <laughs> hopefully, you think about okay, how how does that work in in Chinese? I think that's kind of the way it has to be, though. I mean, yeah. as far as the two steps go, because you don't you don't when you have a new feature to implement. You haven't figured out exactly how you're going to do it when you sit down. Yeah. So to start internationalizing it before you've even figured out what menu options are going to be there is nearly impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. So. It is impossible. It's not nearly. It is impossible because you, you, <laughs> I mean you don't know whether you need one option, two options, no options at all. Uh, how will they be called? I mean that might change. What they will actually do might change. So that's it. But. Yeah. As, as developers, we have to get better at, I think we have to get better at thinking about it. And it's hard and we, we for the most part, we probably all hate it because it's it's not really coding. It's more, uh, well, it's more <laughs> taking care of spreadsheets, basically. <laughs> right, I mean, right. Yeah, it's it's clerical work. Yeah, and we, we for the most part, we hate that part. <laughs> yes. All right, well, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and tell everyone that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code BRETTSENTME. There's two T's in Brett, so Brett sent me. Uh, Squarespace makes it simple and easy to create a beautiful design for your custom website using a drag-and-drop interface. They also make it easy to get help with 24-7 support through live chat and email, and you never have to make a phone call. It's located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland, and you can reach Squarespace, uh, Squarespace support anytime you need it, no matter where you are in the world. Plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Their templates include responsive design, and every site comes with an online store. Get started with a free trial, no credit card required, and start building your website today. When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code BRETTSENTME to get 10% off and show your support for Systematic. We'd like to thank Squarespace for their continued support of 5x5 and Systematic. Squarespace, a better website, better web starts with your website. Thank you, Squarespace. Right. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I don't know I, how their internationalization tools are, but they're an awesome, awesome company. Yeah, um, we I, I recently started using Squarespace for for a project. Um, I mean, Squarespace Squarespace is the number one uh, tool I suggest to people who want to start just start a website because um, it's so easy and it's relatively cheap and it's it's just the best solution out there in in my opinion. Um, so. It's it's probably not for for us geeks who like to fiddle with things, despite the fact that you can. Um, but yes, you can. <laughs> but if you're working with with a couple of people, or if if you just need a static page or uh, uh, for for someone, and you don't want to support it, I mean that's usually the biggest issue. You want to give them a tool and then never have to think about it again. Exactly. And that's where Squarespace, Squarespace is awesome. Definitely, that's exactly how I use Squarespace. It's it's the it's the tool I give to people who want me to build them a website, who I don't want to necessarily maintain a website for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Squarespace is it's the perfect answer. Yeah. It's a it's a powerful, beautiful system yeah. that I can be yeah. hands off on. Yeah, the templates are, ex- um, are actually quite good, and you don't have really have to care about uh, scaling it. So. Even if the website gets suddenly gets popular, um, they are so good with with scaling their stuff up, and and uh, that's I mean that's where most websites begin to struggle. I mean, what happens when, uh, well, let's say Tua or Life Lifehacker or someone else, uh, Jim Dalrymple on the Loop uh, starts linking to you? What happens then? And uh, you don't right. have to think about even think about that with Squarespace. Squarespace, and uh, for those people, you don't want to think about that. I mean, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. So you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Called the Casual Kitchen. Yeah. And you do uh, you do easy recipes for people without a lot of time who still want to eat healthy is that a good summary that's a perfect summary that's that's the basic ideas behind it it's um uh, it started um with the Jamie Oliver food revolution uh, a few years back I, I always wanted to do a cooking show and when i saw that i said well i i absolutely want to do something and in germany there isn't much in that area um, so I started, and it it isn't it isn't as successful as it probably could be, which I mean is due to my inability to do marketing and uh, my <laughs> limited time. I mean that's that's where where it comes down to. But but it's it has been fun. I've done it for almost four years now. It's in in a month. It's four years, um, and the, as, as you said, the idea is. Um, for for singles, for single moms, for people who are generally busy, um, to enable them to to cook every day or every couple of days, uh, to do simple things, um, things you can prepare well, things that don't cost much. So if you're on a budget, um, that's that can be your resource. Um, simply, I mean, you could say fast fast food you're cooking yourself uh just just 
prepare it, freeze it, and you have your, your own fast food. Um, that has been the idea. And, and as I said, I've limited to it to uh, 30 minutes. So everything should be done in 30 minutes or less, uh, which sometimes is hard. And I've once or twice uh, crossed that, that barrier and done things that were that took way way longer i think i've run a recipe that took three hours but it was five it was uh, two minutes work and three hours letting it cook and then just free putting it in the freezer and you have your your next meal uh, so i nice i thought that was okay in that case because you don't have to do anything with it in in the three hours uh, just put put the lid on and let it cook and that's it yeah that that seems fair to me yeah. Uh, so you originally started doing these in German only. Yeah, I, I did. And have, you recently started doing English too. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I have a couple of friends in the U.S. And they, I mean, they were watching them. They enjoyed them, but they didn't always understand them. Um, actually, uh, Sean, Dr. Dr. Rock, is pretty good at it. Uh, now, he, I mean, without even understanding what I'm saying, he gets the gist of what I'm doing. Uh, I think it's the universal language of of cooking, basically. Uh, you yeah, see what he I'm doing that pretty well. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> cooking and eating and drinking. Um, no, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it's easy because it doesn't change that much wherever you are in the world. It's it's I mean. Cutting an onion is the same whether you're in Germany or in the U.S. or in in China or in Japan. It's it doesn't change. So just by watching, you can um, get what I'm doing. Uh, and and I always said, hey, if you if you need a recipe translated, just let me know. Uh, most of my my recipes, the originals I'm using. And I'm basing my cooking on are in English, so it's it's easy to adapt those. I just have to switch out a few ingredients and change whatever I have changed, and that's it. Um, so um, it's it's no big deal for me to translate them. But it's it, I, I started in German because at that point it was easier for me, and I wanted to do it for for a German-speaking market, um, and because Jamie Oliver exists, and why. Why would I uh, do something he's already doing better than me? Um, but <laughs> right. I mean that it it has been. The, people have asked me to do it, and I think I've posted two. I've put yeah, I've posted two. The third one will be out in one or two weeks, whenever I have time. Um, and I will continue to post English episodes. So if if you are interested in cooking at all. Um, just, just give it a try. It's casualkitchen.net. Uh, can put what, the... uh, what? Yeah, I've already linked it. Um, okay, what, uh, what equipment do you use for the video? Um, <laughs> nowadays, I'm using my DSLR. Uh, it's a Canon EOS 5D Mark III. But I actually started with a cheap 10 bucks webcam and a desk lamp. Uh, that my, my <laughs> very first videos, which for some reason, are still pretty popular. <laughs> I don't know why, but they, those are the ones that uh, most people tend to watch, because, probably because they've been around for four years. Um, so so I started pretty, pretty simple, and nowadays, I mean, I, I've stepped up the game. I have a, 
uh, wireless headset, uh, wireless microphone, uh, a couple of lights, and as I said, my DSLR. And I'm still recording with a webcam for, for the B-roll, so you can see how I'm chopping things and putting things in the pan right. and things like that. So the the overhead shots are coming from the webcam? Yeah, yeah. It's the Okay, uh, wow, that Well, the the Logitech C what is it? C920, I think. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, it looks great. When you cut to when you cut to the chopping, like the overhead chopping stuff, mm-hmm. the color changes a little, but it looks it's a really nice transition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's final cut. <laughs> that's uh that's not me. Um recording recording webcams has been the biggest issue. Uh I mean, I've I've done it with my iPhone before that. Uh and that did work pretty good. Um recording with my DSLR is a little bit more tricky, but does work, but recording a video with a webcam video with QuickTime sometimes doesn't work. It just stops recording or shows some weird uh, error message or yeah, <laughs> it's uh, that's that's and that's why I sometimes don't have B-roll because it stopped recording and as I'm the the only one in the kitchen, I can't pay attention to everything and then uh, when something like that happens, I'm well, I'm struggling with it when I'm cutting it, which I hate, but I hate it when, when understandable. Things, yeah, I hate it when things don't go as planned. <laughs> but that's I mean that's life. That's what you have to deal with. Yeah. Absolutely. You ready for top three picks? Yeah, I am. I have awesome picks. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, you get to go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, my very first pick is a service. It's called Buffer. Um, it's as far as I know, the easiest way to share on so uh, share your, uh, your links or posts on social media, and I mean, if you're like me, you have not one or two accounts; you have a dozen accounts to for for every service, basically, uh, at least for Twitter. Um, and I I was in dire need of something uh, that that enables me to to quickly post. Uh, with different accounts to different services, cross post things like that. So, uh, and you get a free account at Buffer for one account each. So they support Twitter, Facebook, App.net, LinkedIn, and Google Plus pages. Um, you get for with the free account, you get one account each. So that should for most people that should be enough. But if you need more, um, I think up to twelve accounts. Uh, there's the the awesome plan. Ten bucks a month, and what I really like is that they have an uh, they have an uh, IFTTT integration. Uh, if you're just posting to one account, um, and if you need more than that, they have an email API. So you can with IFTTT, I've, I've set it up. Uh, I can um, IFTTT sends an email to Buffer, and that one uh, that email is translated into a post, and then posted on uh, two Twitter accounts or. Uh, a Twitter account, app.net, and Facebook, and things like that. So I've set up a few custom, uh, a few custom setups for, uh, for example, for my casual kitchen posts. So it's easier and quicker for me to post them. And they have, well, decent iOS and Mac apps. They aren't perfect, but uh, they don't have an iPad app, for example. But they're working on it. So uh, it's and the company behind that. It's it's really really good company and. They're really open. They post their uh, sal- salaries and things like that. So, 
check check out Buffer. How is uh, how are the analytics? Um, I would say okay. I haven't tried the business analytics because they have extended analytics for business users, but that's more expensive and didn't make sense for me. Um, but they're good. I mean, I can see how many people have reposted uh, or, or retweeted. Uh, how many people people have clicked links? They have integration with uh, Bitly and uh, shorteners like that. Um, they are good. I mean, for for me, they are sufficient. I would say. That's uh, see, that would be important to me if I was going to bother, kind of adding that abstraction layer to posting. Yeah. Because like right now, uh, I use uh, FeedPress for my blog, mm-hmm. and FeedPress automatically posts to Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily get any kind of information that lets me know yeah. how many of my links are coming from either service, and that would be handy. Yeah. Um, one another thing is um, they've recently added support for RSS feeds. So I mean, you could do that with IFTTT, but now you can just stick an an RSS feed into Buffer, and it will automatically post uh, links to your blog post, for example. I don't know whether you want to do that. I don't, but if you if you do, um, that's actually a good solution. It seems to work. I've tried it once, and I just I, nice. I like to handcraft my posts still. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I do all right with just uh, sending it. I get a lot of my traffic from Twitter. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. if I just automatically post the headline and a link to Twitter, yeah, I get more traffic from that than. Pretty much anywhere else, unless I get linked on a major site. Yeah, it's the same with so the, it works for me. Yeah, and and the the advantage of Buffer is that you can well do the same and just post it to multiple services at once. So uh, post it to Twitter and uh, let's say a Google Plus page you have or or App.net for example. I mean, I I usually post to uh, Twitter and App.net at the same time because it's basically the same for me. Nice. I might have to give this a try. I've heard about it. I've known about it for a long time. I've just never felt a need for it. So <laughs> maybe I do have one and I don't know it. Yeah. All right. Well, my first pick this week is Ulysses 3. Mm. Uh, it's a text editor. Uh, it's a writing tool. It's more than just a text editor. Um, I have a very specific reason for picking it, and that's because this week I announced, along with the soul men who create Ulysses, the text bundle format, which is a way to wrap a text file, uh, like a markdown file, and provide all kinds of extra information for it. The reason we built it was so that an app like Ulysses can send packaged images and assets along with a markdown file to a preview app like my app Marked without having to worry about any sandboxing restrictions, without having to worry about any extra file permissions, Mm-hmm. It just makes it easy to to pass uh, multiple files back and forth, and still maintain the purity of a, a a markdown text file without you know having to embed anything in it, without having to add any extra data. Everything's added externally in what amounts to a folder. And Ulysses and Marked both now support this. Uh, so in the process, uh, I was getting back to using Ulysses more, and I am really impressed with uh, basically the organization and editing tools that it provides. There are some things that I wish were more 
pure in the sense of Markdown. But at, if if it's your primary editor and you're using Marked as your primary previewer, uh, or or even Ulysses built-in previewer, it is it's an excellent writing tool. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the idea and and your explanation to the text bundles. Uh, it it solves an issue I've I've had for the longest time, especially when when posting to Jekyll, uh, because I mean most for the most part when I'm writing stuff, it, there are images and and other things attached to it, and you you have to deal with where do I put them, how do I link them, um, and with that it's 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 easy. And I think you 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 said that you can also use that uh, for for collaboration for example so um, the annotations or changes can be tracked in a in a in a different uh, metadata file and the uh, markdown file basically uh, stays the same it's still a markdown file you don't have to right. put any craft in in the markdown uh, text so yeah there there are there are complications anytime you're dealing you know you 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 store a cursor position but if the markdown file changes in another application that doesn't update the cursor position, things get off. Yeah. So there are some technical aspects that we need to work out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, any kind of data you can imagine, you know, whether it's versioning, whether it's uh, annotations, comments, uh, change tracking, all of that can be done using the text bundle format, uh, barring a couple of technical difficulties. And uh I think uh, the 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 possibilities are yeah. are great. Yeah, and I got a note from a very prominent Markdown person saying that even he thought it was a good idea, which is which is a, a, a very encouraging to me. Yeah, and the way you did it, I mean, if if someone is open or if you're if you're using an app that isn't supporting that that format yet, uh, it's basically a folder. So. It's a folder with a couple of files in it, so it it doesn't change really change the content. It's just a container, um, and I, like, I like you that. could even open it in Windows. Yeah, it it works everywhere. It just shows I mean, up as a folder. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I mean, that I hope you will or someone maybe I will do it. Uh, will uh, create a uh, Jekyll plugin for it because that would be awesome if you can. Bundle the the images and assets with with a post. Right. Oh, that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, what's your second pick? Um, I think I'm gonna switch my second and third because when we are talking about uh, Markdown text editors, and my pick is folding text. Um, it's an easy to use Markdown editor I recently encountered. Um, on, on I think on to uh, ask to or something, uh, we had the uh, the well the developer for folding text, um, and it has actually replaced any other Markdown editor I was using because um, it's it's really simple to use. Uh, it's it's an app you probably could give someone who has no idea what Markdown is, and uh, I mean their their intro video. Basically shows one in in a couple of seconds how Markdown works. They say, "Hey, th if you want to have a a head heading type type pound sign, that's it." Um, and it it supports live formatting, so you see actually in uh, in a folding text how, for the most part, you see how it will look like. Um, they 
uh, for example, uh, they underline links. Um, so you see the you don't see the markdown part of the links. You see the link with an underline. Um, they make text bold. They show headlines. They format it. Um, I mean, it's not it's not as sophisticated as marked, but it's sufficient if you're what I'm I'm doing a lot, uh, writing posts or uh, writing show notes, for example, uh, because it gives you a structure. They they uh, I mean. You can use it as an outline, for example. They uh, support code folding, so you can fold up um, sections you don't need right now. Um, they have focus mode, so you can, can just focus on one heading, for example. And um, they support themes and plugins, so um, they have they have crazy extensions to, to a markdown. So, for example, you can create a to-do list right in folding text and can check uh, items off. Um, so they... Uh, things like that, or you can do, I've seen in the video, you can do a calculation. So you can uh, say, um, create a recipe and say, this step takes 10 minutes, this step takes 20 minutes and so on. And it will do calculation for you and will show you that your entire recipe takes an hour to do. Um, so it's, it's, it's simple. Um, it's easy to use. And I, I, enjoyed it it's not it's not cheap i think it's 30 bucks but um i mean with mark for what it does that's pretty cheap for what it does and for as awesome as it is um that's that's an awesome app and as i said with in combination with marked it has replaced my entire workflow with sublime text and so on uh, on on writing markdown files yeah. Uh, did you ever hear Systematic way back in 2012, number 24? I probably did. I can't remember. But but I've started it it was, really, uh, really early. It was with it was Jesse Grossjean who who wrote Folding Text, and mm-hmm. uh, and he really it. When you say crazy, that's exactly the word <laughs> I would use because he he's yeah. a mad scientist with text and with uh, with plain text. He also wrote Task Paper. Yeah. And if you write a to-do list in folding text, it yeah. works in task paper as well. And oh, it's just, yeah, it's pretty that. cool stuff. Yeah. And the new version of task paper, task paper three, yeah. can open folding text files and it, you can incorporate markdown into your task paper files. Mm-hmm. So it kind of blurs the line even further. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. All right. <laughs> What's your. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally support that pick. <laughs> Everything that supports Markdown, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, Markdown is awesome. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs> All right. So my second pick is Drop Zone 3. I've mentioned yes. Drop Zone 3 times now, once for each version. <laughs> uh, but drop, down, drop Zone 3, it sits in your menu bar and it gives you, uh, when you click it or drop a file, ho- hover while you drag a file over it, it gives you a, an, a window with all your destinations. And your destinations, you can customize. They can be things like Twitter and uh, Dropbox and you know uh, any, any place you want to share a file, basically. And you can also, there's a whole new, with Drop Zone 3, there's a whole new developer API, so you can write your own destinations with a lot of, tools and and helper libraries you have to write it in ruby mm-hmm. but if you know any ruby at all it's really easy to put these together yeah and you can make you can make a file you can like for example if i tag a file with 
a certain pattern based on my own filing system and then drag it onto a folder icon in Drop Zone, it will file it in my my filing system automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a very that's a custom plugin that would only work for me, but it's something that I've been able to do. If I drag an image onto the Jekyll icon in my Drop Zone. It will compress the image. It'll optimize it. It will put it into a, a dated folder in my drop zone or in my Jekyll setup, mm-hmm. and then it'll put a liquid tag in my clipboard for that image. Yeah, I've, and I love I, I love that stuff. I'm actually doing the same. Um, for me, it's actually resizing the image, uh, putting for for my casual kitchen stuff. It's actually putting text on it. Um, so I have my my logo on on the images for the. Uh, for YouTube, for example, um, so I'm I'm actually using it uh, quite a lot. Um, That's they, awesome. They have uh, they have you don't have to write your own. They have a really, I would say it's it's big by now. A big selection of plugins you can download. For example, uh, Bitly. If you are using Bitly as a link shortener, uh, you can just download the Bitly uh, plugin. Put in your credentials, and that's it. And every time you have a link somewhere, just uh, either drag it, uh, drag it on uh, Drop Zone, or click the Bitly uh, icon, and it will shorten it for you. Things like that. So um, there are other tools that, that can could do the same. You can do it with Text Expander, for example. But um, I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of uh, Drop Zone, and I bought version two and version three. So yeah, really too. awesome app. I do. I like um, I like services, and mm-hmm. I like Text Expander, and I yeah. use both avidly. Yeah. yeah but there do. are some things that are just better for quick, you know, just to be able to just quick drag and drop it. Yeah. Even even my applications folder. If I have a new app, I can drag a DMG file onto the install application destination, mm-hmm. and it will extract the application and install it in my applications folder without me having to open the DMG, drag it, find my applications folder, drop it. Yeah. A, a authorize a rewrite, all of that. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, I think one of the advantages is, as it is in your taskbar, um, it's available everywhere. So, I mean, services for the most part only will work in Finder. I mean, if you're using services for files, for example, but um, right. with, with folding uh, with with Dropzone, you can uh, just take them from wherever you are right now and drop it on Dropzone, and it will do whatever you want them to do. So it's uh, it's available everywhere, and that's that's why I like it. And and the plugins, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with Ruby. It's not a big deal, um, but their templates are really documented well. So it's easy, even if you have no idea how to do Ruby, with a little bit of googling and and uh, the documentation they are providing, it's really easy to to, to write your own uh, simple uh, drop zone plugin. That's basically how I learned Ruby. Like back in <laughs> yeah. when I when I was first learning TextMate, I I was writing uh TextMate plugins and and basically I learned Ruby because I needed to accomplish tasks and the templates were there and they were mm-hmm. documented and yeah, stuff like that. It's a great it's a great learning tool if you want to get into it, a language too. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's right. how most developers learn. It, it's to me, it's the only way I can learn. Yeah, yeah same here. <laughs> so, what's your third pick? Uh, my third pick is an iOS app called Newsify. It's basically an, an RSS reader. 
Um, it connects or it syncs with uh, Feedly or iCloud. And what I liked about it, I mean, there are a couple of RSS readers and I've used uh, Pulse News before, which was bought by LinkedIn, I think. Um, and I, I'm a news nerd, so I'm reading a lot of news. I've, I've no idea how many RSS feeds I have in my uh, Newsify right now, but it's probably 40, 50 sites. I've no idea. Um, because I like to scan, I like to scan uh, news. So I will pick out the things, things that I'm interested in and uh, mark the rest as red. And that's where, uh, the, the usual suspects like, um, for, can't remember the name the Mac the Mac app um, yeah, reader the, yeah there's re reader and read kit yeah well yeah reader is one uh, but th that's where they fall flat for me because I can't deal with a list style app um, I need something where I can quickly based on time skim through through the news uh, basically how a, how a newspaper works uh, you have uh, you have just rectangular tiles with images and the headline and maybe a little bit of text beneath it um, and you can so you can get just get the gist of what the story is about and then if you're interested in uh, you you dive into it and um, one of the things I besides the the general layout and the fact that it's free uh, one of the things I like is that it can share to a lot of services it shares to buffer which as far as I know, it's the only service out there that does that, or the only app out there. Um, it shares to Evernote, Instapaper, Pocket, Facebook, Twitter. Um, it's it's just, there are so many options. You can send links via text messages and so on. So uh, the, I still want to see a Mac app because that, that app is awesome. Um, and I would gladly pay for it, but it's free. So someone is doing it in, in the spare time, as, as it looks like. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that's no. it is crazy that it's yeah. free. Yeah, it's it's two ninety nine to remove the ad banner. Yeah, which I would gladly pay for yeah. something like that. E easy, easy. I mean, I don't care whether they are ads in my in my RSS app, but <laughs> simply to support the developer. I would pay. I mean, I would pay more than that, uh, because I'm using it all day long. I mean, that's the f probably the first app I'm I'm opening uh, in the morning, and the last app I'm closing. Uh, so, that's. I mean, news uh, news is still important to me. A lot of people have moved on to Twitter, uh, or Facebook. Uh, I'm still enjoying the heck out of RSS and blogs and and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, well, you can't. Twitter just doesn't. I use Twitter for like news, like actual the stuff you would see on like CNN or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when it comes to the stuff I want to read about yeah. the tech world, yeah, I have to curate that. Yeah. You know, I have to I have to tell it which feeds I'm interested in, and watch those. Twitter can't do that for me. So yeah, I'm I'm a big RSS reader myself, and uh, yeah, this looks this looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Twitter. I'm Twitter's, currently using Mister Reader. Yeah, there. I mean, there are a lot of, as I said, there are a lot of similar apps: uh, Pulse News, Mister Reader, Reader. Um, there are so many. I mean, Pulse News was really. I mean, was the it was the app I <laughs> I bought my iPad for, um, but 
they haven't done anything with it, and that's why I needed something else. And I t it took me a while to find Usify, but once I did, uh, I was so glad. It's it's actually better than Pulse News, uh, which is awesome. I will check either. that out. Yeah. It's free. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well then, my last pick is a it's a command line utility. It's free. It's called FZF which is uh, short for Fuzzy File Finder. And uh, it you can basically feed it... You can feed it input, or if you run it by default, it just finds all the files from the point you ran it in the file system. And then you can just type... And uh, with Fuzzy Searching, you can just type part of a name or uh, a folder and an extension and narrow the list down to exactly the file you're looking for. And then you can run it inline as a command with, you know, you could run like cat, backtick, fzf, backtick. And it would, when you pick a file, then it would it would display the contents of that file, for example. And it's uh, it's it's only of use to command line nerds. Like but us. it is a really, yeah, <laughs> it's a really cool tool. It's really well done. That's an awesome pick. I have to try that out right away, because that's that's one of yeah. the things. I, I'm still not using Spotlight or anything else for when I'm searching for things, uh, because it just doesn't cut it for me. And I'm still using Find on my on the command line, and that yeah. thing could make Find things is easier. Slow, but yeah, it's slow, but it's good. Yeah, but that thing. I mean, if it's as fast as it looks on the website, then hell, hey, yeah, it is. It's blazing fast. I'm really impressed with it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the top three, and this is the sign-off. So you can be found on Twitter at casual underscore kitchen. Yep. You have a blog at brendamore.net. Yep. That's and the, I'll the, link that. Yeah, that's a Jekyll blog that uh, will redirect you to the German or English uh, version of it, so... You could see nice. my post in action. There you go. And I will also link your uh, your recent post on multilingual Jekyll. Mm -hmm. Cool. And um, let's see. Uh, you write at macuser.pro. Yeah, that's that's a new thing. Uh, I started with uh, Doc Rock, so Sean. Um, we are trying to, um, we're trying to help professional users that means people who are using their Macs for business purposes uh, with uh, well, with using their, their Macs or iOS devices better uh, through real-world examples. So we are not doing an abstract stuff. Uh, we're doing it with real-world examples like uh, what, uh, how can a realtor, uh, what can a realtor do to uh, get things done on the road, to get, get contracts started on the road. Uh, things like that, so that's we're we are still starting it. So uh, it's not ready yet. It's not done yet. But that's where you can find a lot of my writing now. Cool, yeah. And uh, I gotta have Doc Rock. I don't think I've ever had him on the show. You should have have him. I I, mean, <laughs> I should have. He, I love him. Yeah, we all do. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's awesome. A great guy. He is a great guy. Absolutely. Yes. And then you also have a, a hangout, yeah, uh, at uh, thetechhangout.com. Yeah, I mean that's and a small show. Not go ahead. 
it's it's a small small show uh, Google Hangout with a couple of guys uh, from the US, a uh, couple of Android guys, which makes it interesting. I think um, we are just <laughs> I mean there's there's no real order to that show. We're I mean I'm preparing a few show notes and we're trying to stick to them, but. Uh, we go off on tangents every now and then, and it's just for fun, basically. Uh, we're doing because we have fun, and a couple of people are listening, but it's not not that big. But if if you're interested, you can join us. I mean, uh, it's not a show you probably want to listen to; it's a show you want to participate. So, if you're interested, it's Thursday Thursday evenings, uh, five p.m. Eastern, right now. Very cool. I love that you're a you're a producer. You you create content nonstop on yeah. multiple channels. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and you're also on app.net as Casual Kitchen with no underscore. Yep. And you're on GitHub as Dr. Allgood, where you and I have had quite a few interactions at this point. Absolutely. And thanks for all your help with Slogger. That's been great. <laughs> and thanks for Slogger. <laughs> that, that app is My awesome. My pleasure. It's, it's a nerd tool without end but it's it's awesome it's <laughs> it's running it's running and running and running and you don't notice it uh, except when you open up uh, um, day one day one <laughs> i can't even yeah. remember the app because it's just running and every now and then i, I <laughs> it's just slogger yeah it's just it's slogger. the slogger app now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well that has been episode 112 with patrice Brenda Moore, if you're, you know, if you're American and lazy about pronouncing French names. <laughs> but uh, but thanks for being here, Patrice. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It has been great. All right. And we will see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>